can truly, surely, woo a sigh of relief that 2022 is in the rear view mirror. There was the untimely death of my father and my gangster sister's health crisis and all of us getting COVID and we didn't die. I am here as a testimony to the survival and thriving. No excuses and no patience for pity parties. I'm gonna be talking about how to glow up as a podcaster or not. Good black news and words of encouragement and shade if you stupid. What I'm reading, the Dallas Cowboys and other things, football and sports, pop culture news, donkeys donking and side eye shenanigans. I like the part of the podcast where I talked about over 40 dating and other relationship issues. Quark's bar dedicated to podcasts, reality TV recaps. Join me as I fuss and have a moment as I kick and stomp my way through the next iteration of my life. Join me for this rocking good time. And thank you for listening. My glow up, my glow up, my glow up continues. It seems that I am on the precipice. Or I'm just going to ask the listening audience, does it feel as if you're on the precipice of a major breakthrough and you're just not going to let anything stand in your way? There is no way that I'm going to give up so easily on my dream of my podcast becoming profitable and not only creating great content that people are going to continue to listen to, but um, I just had probably one of the uh, great interview with someone from Rottenberry Entertainment. I'm going to continue to flex and talk about that because I think in and of itself, it's a great, it's a big deal for me anyways. And it's a coup for the show. I'm taking my two to 3,000 plus unique listeners per episode. And I'm planning to hit the road and let the people know and put some good use to this barely broken in RV as I cross the southeast instead of the Pea Valley Dirty Dozen Tour, I'm going to do a half dozen of coffee and snack tour (laughs) and hopefully ending up in Texas. Um, If the listeners of the show are going to listen to Hugh Key 445, who says exactly the kind of podcast I need to hear on my commute to work. My team loves this podcast. That's Randy Musto. Thank you. Um, I have enjoyed each one and I'm looking forward to the next. That's Benjamin Pope. Salvador Peoples, it really helps me learn more. Matthew Trout says, please more. This is amazing. Philip Pleat, we want more podcasts. Okay, got you. Beautiful advice from Brandon. And Stuart Maxwell, these are some, it appears that these are from my iTunes five-star reviews. And it appears as if these more are more uh, male-leaning comments. 
some of this could be from the fact that I am female, which she, her pronouns, but at the same time, I talk about the Dallas Cowboys sports and my take on trades and the NFL frenzy. Maybe that's why they, my perspective is refreshing because it's coming from an unexpected source. But these people are leaving uh, very interesting and just completely unexpected positivity into the air. And I really dig it. Thank you for the five-star reviews. Just keep them coming. As long as the comments are not trolly, I'll actually read them on air. Uh, maybe I'll get to the point where I have a whole segment just dedicated to reviews and whatever pops up in the uh, society and culture, as it were. It just seems like the 137,000 downloads that I have enjoyed um, over, that I've gotten to over the last month, it's just blowing my mind because check it out. I am, I keep saying this, it hasn't been so long ago that I was way below 3,000 and I'm up almost to that. Some of my episodes have reached just 3,000 in one episode. People are enjoying my Tin Fro Bar uh, episodes. The artwork is banging. It's just a lot that I've had the pleasure to enjoy. So my goal is to keep going, bring it to the people, and get this podcast monetized. Building my brand and doing what I do, that is what my goal is. So you guys continue to tell a friend, keep writing in, and I think, and I just am so grateful and thankful for the listens. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading tin from I can go anywhere. Friends to know, ways to grow, a reading tin from I can be anything. Take a look. It's in a book, a reading tin fro. A reading tin fro. Tin fro. I'm a clear example of left to my own devices. I'm going to come up with something crazy. Um, and creatively, it seems that I have had moments and I'm allowed and if you just leave me alone, I get to create some really great things. One of the books that I, it seems that it's taking me so long to actually create from it because I have not made contact with the author, so I can't share her copyrighted material without her permission. And it's Bevy Smith Bevelations. I started reading it a couple of months ago. I believe it was in the January, beginning of February. And I've continued to read it. It's not so much of a self-help book as it is a helpful book. Helpful in the way that her journey, Bevy Smith's journey, mirrors my own. How she took control of her narrative how she left her executive 
positions to pursue creativity. I don't think I'm that brave because I'm not going to give up my bag. My day job basically finances primarily what became was a passion project and has allowed me to dare to dream that it can now I'm in the I'm in the way to position to allow it to pay for itself building my team and just going after the bag. This is not even a bevelation. This is a tenfrolation, meaning you got to finish what you start. Pivot if and pivot if you must. That it that takes courage in itself. You know, you figure out that you are on this path of create a creative path and you basically are recreating yourself or you recreating a means to basically enjoy what you do, share what you do with the world, um, influence the world, be entertaining, but still get paid for it. I'm not, as I said, I'm not going to blow it all on a whim. So no, I will not be resigning from my day position because that's stupid. I got too many bills. Well, I don't have a whole bunch of bills because that's one of the good things about having a great day job. I don't have a whole bunch of bills. But there are some things that I actually like. I like my dog and she likes her food. I like my house. I like my car and truck and my RV. So with that said, no, I will not be quitting my day job and I will be doing all I can to preserve my position in what I do. But I'm hopeful that I can become more efficient to be able to pursue my creative side because that's when you have a, a great work-life balance. That's one of the things that she basically talks about. Um, not giving up not giving up on your dream, not living somebody else's dream, but going for it and becoming your authentic self. And as I said, the reason I'm on this creative journey is basically finding out who I am because that's going to be key to where I want to go. I am learning and becoming that and living the most authentic life because I think that in my creative journey is more potable. In order to have sufficient brand awareness and to build a brand, you got to know who you are. You got to learn how to boast about yourself it's really is okay to pat yourself on the back. Know what your strengths are and basically tell other people, this is why you should hire me to do what I do. You got to be able to give, to basically have that type of swag. Also boost what you do. You control the narrative. Either you take control and have a consistent presence on Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter, but do what you must and change up and consistently create the content that is in alignment with your brand. And it doesn't always mean that you have to recreate the real wheel every single day or every single week or every single post. You can reuse what actually worked for you in the past, just modify it for the present. Find out what works and adjust if you must. And there is no, it's not necessary to reinvent the wheel. The brand is basically who you are and what you are as your authentic self with some modification, but it still represents who you truly are. And that's one of the major takeaways from Bevelations by Bevy Smith. As I said, 
her journey from being an administrative assistant to being a, a social commentary all over the Bravo sphere ha- and building. And also she actually has a recurring role on Harlem. She was, she's been on the grind for the better part of over 30 years and she's still growing. And she admits that through the book, she admits it in her Ted talk. So even though it has taken me longer to read this book because I've had a life outside of reading this book. I'll actually continue to read it until I finish it because there's so many great revelations and revelations throughout this book that I want to share with the listening audience. Instrumental, lift every voice and sing, high key, Fruition Music Inc. What a better way to start celebrating Black excellence by celebrating us and our national anthem. in 48 years. Did I do the math right? Vanderbilt University in in Nashville, Tennessee, my home state currently, opened in 1874. And it took them until year of our Lord, 2023, to have a black female neurosurgery resident. What the fuck? drop the f-bomb because that doesn't make sense to me that's why i'm always perplexed that we still have to uplift ourselves because number one this young woman dr tamia potter uh, a florida resident a graduate of florida a&m obviously brilliant she started her at 17 became a certified nurse assistant and went on to complete medical school And then, where did she go to medical school? That is a very interesting thing she got in, but I'm just so glad that she's a Zeta Phi Beta. That's dope. And I'm happy that, oh, they're very diverse. Check this out. She actually, it looks like she did uh, medical school at Case Western, and she got, and now she's at Vanderbilt. There's Alan Tang, who actually did medical school, or probably first year residency, at Vandy, and then Freddie Vallejo from University of Miami. All of these, she's the only female, but Alan Tang is Asian American, and Freddie is looks of to be of Hispanic descent. This is so dope. And I'm going to put Florida on blast. All of this diversity from University of Miami and FAMU, and they are trying to unwaken the schools in Florida, that is going to be in the next donkey and why Fura DeSantis is still on the donkey list. But that's neither 
here nor there. I'm just excited about this opportunity that I get to speak and just celebrate this young woman and actually all of these residents. It is really difficult to match in neurosurgery. You have to have be extremely smart, very skilled, and be able to visualize something so minute that you can only see it under a microscope. So big ups to her. I wish her well. I wish her and her colleagues well. I wish them success. And they were bought there through uh, Project Diversify Medicine that I'm hopeful that they will continue and not try to dial it back in the guise of conservatism. And I'm hopeful that the school hopefully because it's private, um, will not basically go down in a fit of conservatism, which seems to be masking fascism, which seems to be the norm in Florida at this time. But this is pride tinged with a little bit of caution, but big ups to Dr. Tamia Potter. You doing good, girl. And I am now following you on Twitter. I'm hopeful that All of your dreams will come true and you will be able to live your truth and the system won't beat you down and make you run away like your hair is on fire. That's all I'm saying. You know, the donkiness continues and I always am going to have fodder and fuel for the outrage of this section. Donald Trump is an idiot and... And Ron DeSantis, who actually spoke against him, he says he doesn't know what he's doing. I just I just think that the latest shenanigans coming out of Florida needs to be dealt with and we can take it part and parcel. No, Donald Trump, as the time of this recording has been arrested, he basically is trying to get ahead of hush money paid to Stormy Daniels. This was way, wouldn't it say 2016, 2017, when it came out that he had some inappropriate relationship or something else went down. Um, And he still was elected president. Maybe it was 2016, 2015. And they paid her money to keep quiet. And then her lawyer gets arrested for also wrongdoing. I think maybe he was disbarred. I don't know. But it's basically says he's calling, he's trying to incite a riot again and call for supporters to protest should an indictment occur. So even though he will be charged for wrongdoing, he wants people to, idiots to protect him and to riot on his behalf. Just shut up. But I'm going to live and I will be excited. I may even go live if they put it on the news and on the Twitters of him being led away in handcuffs because that's where he should have been way back in 2015, 2016 and should have never been elected president and should have never released that demon out the the gates of hell to rain down this nonsense on us for the last seven years because we're still seeing the fallout from all of this. And to me, it's... Is, is fant- it's fantastical that we're still talking about this. But that's not, the grand jury is still deliberating on that, but there are multiple charges that they got, they got him on. There are some federal charges 
probably through the IRS as far as far as also in New York City, why he ran up out of New York and is down in Florida. They got several, I think they got thousands and thousands of pages of back taxes that he never paid, business shenanigans, how his company kept filing for bankruptcy and he's still supposed to work over a billion dollars. You can be a billionaire if you don't never pay fucking bills. So all of these things, I think the charges are such that they're making sure they cross their T's and dot their I's because they are making it so that they hem his ass up so he will not be able to run for president. That nightmare will not continue as far as the upcoming 2024. He needs to go to the Bahamas or wherever he actually has a property because I'm hopeful that between the state's attorney, Letitia, as well as Merrick Garland, they got something and they're coming for him and probably a couple of his kids because of what has gone down in the last two decades. But that's just me. Also, I'm reading more and more information about what they're trying to roll back um, in Florida. How is it possible that your liberal arts schools are too liberal? So there's a proposal on the Florida books where they are basically in the guise of conservatism, they're saying our school, our liberal arts schools are too liberal, so we're going to make it more fascist. That's what that proposal 999 is. They're taking diversity training out of the schools, any mention of basically the civil rights movement, they're basically whitewashing it or white, uh, what is that called? Uh, White out the whole black struggle. And they're making Florida the most diverse state in the country as white as they possibly can. And I don't know how you can unliberalize a liberal college. That's the most dumbest and donkiest thing in the world. How is that freaking possible? But they're doing it in Florida and they're doing all this shit willy-nilly. They're making it. So I will root for the University of Miami because it's in Miami. I have no consideration for the rest of Florida at this time. This is how I used to feel about Atlanta and then the rest of Georgia. There's basically Miami and then the rest of Florida. But you can't ignore. But I can't even say that because they wilding in Miami. We got shootings. We got state of emergencies because they don't know how to act for spring break. I just the whole Florida man debacle. DeFura DeSantis. And Chump is just three strikes and Florida, you're out because I can't take it anymore. I just am just so over the nonsense, the Karenism of it. People doing things that make no sense. Why can't y'all understand if a sociopath should never be president or should be in a place of power? But if you get caught out, you have to pay the price. And it has to be dealt with just like you would deal with anyone that breaks the rules that bad. 
when we are diverse and we recognize diversity and we learn how to work together, we all are made better and stronger. But you can't swing the pendulum all the way over to the right and think that you're going to be right. That doesn't make any sense either. We become weak when we can't recognize and grow from how different we are and learn instead of being just one way, one rule, one type of people and your way is the only way. And people have to learn how to act just because you're on a break doesn't make you it possible for you to take a break from following the rules, respecting other people's property, respecting the respecting life and not having to pull out a gun and think you get drunk and wild out and there's no going to be no repercussions because you make it difficult for everybody and they can't enjoy themselves because your ass don't know how to act and your ass don't have boundaries. But enough of the bad news, enough of Florida, enough of the donkiness. That is Discovery. Um, basically, this is Viodance's uh, interpretation of the theme music from most of the Star Trek series, and that's the one from Discovery. And this is a shameless plug for my bonus content, as it is Ten Fro's Bar, um, where I talk about all things space. I take deeper dives into Picard. Um, and I also talk about uh, Shop Talk. I take a deeper dive because I haven't figured out the brackets yet and what's the movement that's going on pre-NFL draft. And I hope you will enjoy me as, and try to do it soon because the episodes will go behind the paywall when the new episodes um, load. And I thank you for listening. The Shady Bunch, the Shady Bunch. I hope turning up for checks to pay for fake lifestyles were to be a part of the Shady Bunch. So I am a real housewife super fan. I'm not a LaDom because that's stupid and I don't think there exists. I think Karen Huger is delusional and she's just a modern version of Mama Jefferson. So she's a character... And as I rewatch Real Housewives of Potomac season five, this was the last season that any of them were partially real and the show was compelling. Even up and through uh, the fight between Monique and Candience and then how the other light skins and Wendy turn against Monique and with the exception of Ashley. But she had her own shit. She had a new kid. Her husband was cheating on her. And he is the real, uh, not a pedophile, but just, he was the most inappropriate of all of them. What made me sad is that they couldn't come to a resolution. And it did appear that Monique made them keep it real. I don't think, one, we wouldn't have had Mia on this season or on, I think she came on at the beginning of season six. And I don't think if they could have gone 
and resolved it in a more, not in being so hysterical, but if they could have resolved their differences in a more meaningful way, Monique probably still would have been on the show, but she basically unraveled and all of the relationships unraveled and they clearly took sides and there was no way that she could stay on the show. I'm wondering, did she get written off uh, because of her refusal not to fall on her sword and she had her eye on the love and marriage franchise because that's a different producer or what was going on with her, but she basically fumbled. I think Monique fumbled the bag. She still could have been on the show. It still would have been real. However, the debacle that we're actually seeing now is the fallout from that. I am a mad fan of Candy Burris. She's from Real Housewife of Atlanta. I respect her and her husband's hustle. And I'm also, I started watching the Escape SWV uh, biopic also on Bravo and I thought it was messy when the sisters Tosha and Tasha or Tamika actually are beefing over 30 grand and stolen royalty checks and mothers taking side what I also find not interesting but also when everything went left was when SWV is demanding co-billing for the one show that the promoter could pull together to see if they could actually be on tour. And I knew it was going to go left. And and now we are the aunties are waging a feud on social media because all these hoes are my age, especially SWV. Candy and what's her name? T.I.'s, Tiny, wife are they're beefing and Coco, even though she's medicated, don't get it twisted. She basically says she ain't opening for nobody. They deserve to be headliners and they got the numbers to back it up. But what I didn't expect is this story, this narrative that is going along in bad black news. You know, I feel like I've worked really hard on myself and I can't help if somebody asks me a question, you know, and I can't help the chains of events that actually really honestly, truly happen. Now, um, it, this really all started, okay, everybody knows that I'm on Dish Nation now, right? And this really all started from a YouTube that Candy put about, put out about whatever the issues they had with Carlos King. And I was asked about it. Now, I'm gonna be honest, like, I'm not like these other reality people. Like, I'm a real bona fide, five-time Emmy-nominated journalist. <laughs> Difference. So for me, I am not comfortable publicly saying or calling someone else a liar without knowing the legitimate facts. And obviously, I want to address, you know, what's really going on. Okay, let's just pause right there. When did Tamar become a journalist? Does she have a degree in journalism? And when did Dish Nation become a legitimate news source? I just, I'm very confused. Wasn't she on some other gossip show? Being on a gossip show or reality TV doesn't a journalist make? 
So what are the aunties beefing about now? Evidently, Candy Burris and her husband, um, Todd, rolled up on her backstage at somebody's show. And Todd went off on her and Candace backed him up. And it was horrible, to say the least, because why is a man rolling up on a woman? I don't know what transpired. And frankly, I don't care. But they are also asking them about the shade that's going on with SWV in this show. Um, And now they're beefing online. People are getting on. uh, Tamar is going live. Candace is going live. Um, And all of it's being covered by the shade room. Again, not a legitimate source. All of these allegations are brewing back and forth. Nobody really knows the true details. Unless I see video of the altercation, I don't care. But the aunties need, somebody need to take the aunties phone and go sit down somewhere. Also, as I was stated, Coco is showing the receipts as far as the streams on Spotify compared, SWV compared to Escape. And they are in the tens of millions where Escape is only, I believe, in the hundreds of thousands. I mean, it's only one show, y'all. If y'all can't agree to co-headline for this one show, it portends stupidness for y'all being able to fumble the bag and going on a full-fledged tour. Because evidently for the past 20 years or so, since they got back together and Coco got medicated, SWV has been on the road pretty much nonstop um, since 2017. And they have the numbers, they're putting up the numbers to support co-headlining or headlining actually and getting top billing for this collab. So I don't know. I hope they figure it out because I remember both of the groups by themselves. I have not seen the iteration of the more mature groups, but I dig both of their music. I wish they could squash this petty beef and realize as far as the fans, we would love to see a SWV escape collaboration. They just need to get it together. And a lot of this petty stuff between um, them shopping for single deals in the middle of this jealousy, obvious jealousy and pettiness. I wish they could work that all out and just give the fans what they want. And also on to the real reality of real TV, reality TV basically takes place off camera. There's still some fallout from Juan Dixon's I think, I don't know if he was necessarily fired from Coppin State, but his contract wasn't renewed. One of the female uh, former players of the University of D.C. basically commented that he was not much of a leader when he was there temporarily as the female basketball coach uh, for the female team. And he was just biding his time because he really wanted to be head coach on the men's side. Um, That's about right. I think there was one early episode before when he left University of Maryland and they briefly touched on this. And even Robin, his roommate, basically said that she can't really see him dealing with the ins and outs of uh, the female players um, because he's a douchebag. And she basically corroborated what I felt for a minute. And this I'm getting, this is all allegations. This is on Kemp Fire's YouTube feed. So y'all could go check out these these new allegations on how he 
treated the female basketball players for the University of D.C. I think it's despicable and it goes to show why, one, it's very sad that they hired him anyways, but they didn't, there wasn't enough for them to continue to support his douchery while he was at Coppin State when he also failed to protect the players because that's what a coach is supposed to do. But how sad, the whole thing. Um, What else did I want to talk about as far as reality TV? Oh, it also makes sense that Bravo not only may um, not just demote maybe uh, Robin or even Giselle for this matter, or uh, Wendy or even Ashley, the whole show may actually be canceled. And I'm with it. They don't get a buy for being Black because they do some really racist and dumb shit on this show. They basically ran with the premise of Chris being inappropriate when there was more real things that they could have dealt with that was more compelling than the lies that they had to fabricate. This whole season seemed was just seemed to be a big fluke of stupidity and I can't I couldn't rock with it. It just was absolutely horrible. However, if they could find some way back and get back to how they were in season four and five, I think they would all win. I'm not sure if canceling it altogether is the the way, but some of this social media debunk, being able to cultivate real relationships, instead of them clocking in, doing a job, being the character, and then clocking out, if we could see less of that and more of the compelling things from the previous seasons, not rehashing the same type of storyline, but seeing more of what the viewers actually signed up for, this would, it would be, people would go back to it and they wouldn't be trashing it like I have been for the last couple of episodes on my long version of my show. I'm just saying, you don't give the raindrops and Carlos King and the Kim Fires and the DJ Richie Skies fodder when you are doing your job appropriately. And the stuff that we saw in season seven was just a bunch of junk. And you can't throw it up and hopefully it don't stick because it still stinks. It's shit and it stunk like shit. And that's it for this episode of Tenfro is Reading. You know, I talked cash-ish all last year. I hope the listening audience will continue to enjoy my opinion and not so subtle shade. I mean, I'm 2,000 listeners per episode in, so go run tell that haters. I may take it on the road if I get hint, hint sponsorship. Navigate to dalesangelsinc.blog for swag and extended podcast notes. Don't forget to hit like or leave a five-star review. It gets me on top of the algorithms and it may just get you on my show. 2023's motto is boss up and get the bag. And as always, tell a friend and thank you for listening.